welcome to another TeachNet Learning Podcast. I'm Pat Brennan and I'm delighted to be joined today by Brian Dorn, who's the principal in St. Kevin's Community College, Dunlavin County, Wicklow, to talk about their learning journey and the rollout of so-called one-to-one devices. Welcome to the TeachNet Podcast, Brian. Uh, good morning, Pat. Thanks very much for inviting me along. Yeah, we're delighted to have you, Brian. And, you know, to get started, I suppose, you might just tell us a little bit about yourself, your teaching background, and I suppose ultimately your path to becoming principal in St. Kevin's. So, God, after my leaving cert, I went off to UL uh, and I did the four-year concurrent degree there in materials and construction technology. So I would have come out uh, of UL as a, as a woodwork or construction studies and technical drawing or, or DCG teacher. After that, then I would I did uh, a spell in the UK actually for about uh, six or eight months. I was over there in a in a school in Essex, and while I was over there, uh, I saw an ad for a school in Tullavan, which I knew uh, because it's not that far away from my home there in Kildare. And um, I applied for the job and I was appointed to. You know, when I was here then in St Kevin's, obviously we had the rollout of DCG. I suppose two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. And, you know, we were getting into doing a lot of solid works, which in fairness, we'd been well prepared for down in UL. We were looking at, you know, getting these computers into classrooms for DCG. We were looking at um, managing a a sort of a small network within the classroom, file servers and all that. And it did a lot of CPD and training around uh, how to manage all that. That really started me thinking about the potential of servers and shared folders and you know, facilitating collaboration within subject departments across the whole school. Then I suppose we got our extension to the school in or around that time as well. So the two things kind of married very well, where now we had we had a new school. We had funding that we could get computers in every classroom. We had digital projectors and we were able to actually kind of roll out, I suppose, a shared folder type of a system that really was the beginning of that you know, that digital collaboration uh, within the school. Basic as it looks now at the time, it was top-notch stuff, really, I suppose, you know. It's funny, Brian, that I would remember that now. I'm from my own primary background, but we thought, you know, that back to the days of the, the file servers and the and the folder sharing and the, the daisy-chaining of uh, network hubs and this kind of stuff. It was cutting edge, I suppose, at the time. But to, to look back on it now, it seems fairly archaic. Yeah, it, it. I suppose it does. And isn't that, I suppose that's technology for you. But again, and I'd always kind of think about things like that. It's what were we trying to achieve there at the time? And it was trying to facilitate collaboration, resource sharing, and try to, to get teachers, you know, uh, talking about teaching and learning and supporting that w- with technology. Of course, we, we had staff email and all that came in around the same time as well. And like we had our own email server in the, in the staff room when, when you think of it. Like, I mean, if electricity went or anything happened, the whole thing was gone kaput. But the principles behind it were were all about that facilitation and about supporting teaching and learning. So even now, you know, you move on and we're in the cloud and, you know, we don't have desktop computers. Everybody has, you know, they have a Surface tablet, all of the teachers. You know, we're using OneNote maybe where our email is cloud-based. But I suppose the values and the ideas and, and the structures behind it our digital staff and that we have for resource sharing they're still the same ideas it's just maybe the technology has caught up on, on what we wanted to do back that time pat and yeah. uh and now it's able to support us better whereas 
that time maybe we had to put more into support and te- te- technology and trying to trying to make it work for what we wanted to do. I think that's a really interesting point because the reason, bottom line, the motivation for doing this hasn't really changed that much. It's just really the tools app. And that's why it's interesting to see, you know, you think back to how difficult it was back in the day. You know, as I said, if an email server went down or, or anything like that. But, you know, now you've obviously you've got resilience in the cloud and whatever. But, you know, that, that has its own set of problems. I suppose where I want to I want to lead this conversation is I mooted it in, in my introduction. You started and um, you've already kind of have started detailing the early days of this. You started a digital journey, so to speak, for want of a better phrase, over 10 years ago. And a key part of this was rolling out individual devices, the, the one-to-one device. And this was then used in conjunction with Microsoft, three, our Office 365, as it was known then. You know, I minded in this case, Brian, by, you know, the, the adage, horses for courses. It's apt for all schools in Barkin on such a journey of change. Mission critical, the cornerstones of hardware and software. Now, I suppose, why did St. Kevin's opt for window devices? and Microsoft 365. What were the key design factors? I suppose, really, at the time, and again, you know, you have to look at it at the time where we were. I suppose, look, what options did you have? You had kind of an iPad was one option. Do you know Chromebooks and that weren't there at all? And the other force, I suppose, in, in the market was, I suppose, the Windows ecosystem. Now, we had been training our students and getting them ready you know for ecdl and all of these different things they were already kind of used to that windows environment you know that was one of the things you know that that we considered then you know thinking about what was it that you know we actually wanted to do so for teachers again that communication that collaboration and all of that at the time in 2012 2013 when we were looking at this we had started using sharepoint uh, a good bit for communication and for, for we had moved our shared folders onto that and again that single sign-on that we could log in on our domain and that would sign us into to sharepoint as well so there was a kind of a streamlining there where, where it was log in once and drive on you know because what you don't want is people to have a whole load of different passwords and a whole load of different logins basically the harder you make it for people to, to access it i think the more, less likely it will be that people will adopt it Look, we had been there with Edmodo and all of these different things and setting them up, but the management on it was so difficult. And so getting it into one platform that you were using, so your email was there, um, your shared folders were there, your OneDrive was there, your SharePoint was there. So from that end of things, that was the thing. When it came to the device then, we had one real idea there, and that was, you know, whether we wanted students to be consuming information or to be producing something that could support their learning. And my view at the time, um, and this was now before maybe, you know, you could get keyboards and all of this for, for iPads. If you wanted to make a PowerPoint, say, for example, on, on an iPad, you know, half the screen was lost to a keyboard that popped up on it. Was it useful for, for producing a written report on something? Certainly, you know, all of the apps and everything else that, that were on it were good-like and they were useful. But again, you were off to an app store, you were buying apps. How do you manage that? Whereas the, the Windows ecosystem was something that I felt would really, and in fairness, look, it has come on really well, that Microsoft 365 across all platforms. But at the time we were making this decision, it was very much about picking something, you know, long term, 
if we go with this, this is something that if, if we invest in training and time and effort, you know, that buy-in from staff, that it was something that would be, there'd be longevity in it, that it wouldn't be, well, here's it, well, that app doesn't exist anymore. We need to learn how about a new app or whatever. So yeah. we, we looked at OneNote as being the backbone of what we were going to do with students and the information sharing. And for that collaboration then between the teacher and the student, that the students could put into OneNote, uh, the teachers could put into OneNote that, you know, and that could be done and facilitated with that Windows device. That was really what drove us onto the Microsoft platform, Pat, in the beginning. You know, it, it's funny, there's two things. I've made a note there while you were talking, two things. I think these are critical. Actually, three things. Familiarity is one thing. The second thing is very much that, that notion. You know, I mean, once again, to use another adage or saying, you know, keep it simple, stupid. The easier we make this, and this is both for students and for teachers, the easier we make it, the better chance we have of success. Because if, you know, busy teachers, if something goes wrong or something doesn't work or they have to go off into YouTube to pull this in and then they have to head off to their email to get a link from somewhere else, they're going to just leave it aside and say, look, I can use my time better. I think that's a really important one. It's something we would say in a lot of the stuff we do. If you're talking about the Windows ecosystem, Teams is the perfect tool for keeping everything together. The third thing I'd say before I move on is the thing about devices. There's always buzz devices and buzz terms. And I, I think back to when the interactive whiteboard came along and, and different things. But, you know, there was this rush at one time. Oh, we have to get tablets. You know, sometimes the best device, and we've been saying this for a long time, is the old traditional laptop. It has a keyboard. You know, going back to that point of yours. You know, it's there and it's actually at a better price point. So it makes sense. I suppose keeping with the hardware and software to a particular degree, these are obviously really important. But focusing on these alone is always potential a pitfall, unless it's underpinned, I suppose, by a pedagogical vision. You've had that in your school from the get-go. You, you might give us, personally, I suppose, some detail on how you developed and communicated a vision for using technology and then I suppose you know how that was fleshed out through your digital learning plan. Going back again to, to the start and really what we were looking at there um, and there's there's photos on the go Pat I'm not sure if you've seen them and well they're purported to be from the inauguration of Pope Benedict in 2005 and Pope Francis then in 2013 and and the idea is that in the 20, 2005 one people are standing there looking at it taking it all in and the 2013 one all you can see is the screens of the phones where people are taking <laughs> photographs and recording the whole thing, yeah. you know. And um, there's that kind of a, a thing. And you're, you're sitting there as a teacher looking at it. And I was a teacher at the time. I was, you know, IT coordinator. And you're kind of saying the, the world here, even your mobile phone policy that we had, like there was a time you had the distinction about how you were going to treat a student who had a mobile phone in school and how you were going to treat a student who had a picture mobile phone. Like, if you, if you told youngsters now that there was a time when mobile phones didn't have a camera, they'd think you were bonkers, you know? But you had these kids who were working with technology all the time and surrounded by it. You had society that was rushing headlong kind of into the adoption of technology for everything from online shopping for obviously clothes and things, but, you know, home delivery of groceries, all of these things, everything was going online. And you're standing there and you're saying, right, we're a school, you know, we're talking about education here. What's education meant to do is meant to prepare students for a future. And this, this idea, you know, the, the unknown future, or what are our students going to be doing? Many of the jobs, as they say, you know, hadn't been invented yeah, yet and so exactly, on. Yeah. Um, so what do you do? Do you bury your head in the sand as a school and say, right, sure, we'll write this one out. Uh, hopefully it'll go away. 
Or do you say, right, let's do something about preparing these kids for that future? And we're a rural school, you know, and, and uh, we're a desh school as well, Pat, you know, and yeah. really felt very strongly that our students should be advantaged, actually, rather than disadvantaged by the use of technology, that whatever line of work that we're going into, that they should have the comfort with technology that was going to surround them in their life after school um, and have a familiarity with it. So if they were familiar with that then in the classroom on a daily basis, then that that would set them up in a way that they didn't have a fear of technology. They wouldn't be the technological experts or whiz kids or anything like that, but they, they wouldn't be afraid of technology or of, you know, pursuing a role or a job or, or a career or a course or anything like that because technology w- was an element of it. So there was that part of it. And then I suppose there was the new junior cycle as well, looking at it from the curricular point of view. And that was talking about these key skills, the eight key skills, and you had digital literacy in there. You had, you know, managing information and thinking. You had all of these things. We had this talk about, you know, wanting to shift what was happening in classrooms, the style of learning, how students were engaging and so on. And we really felt that technology could kind of mediate that and could help teachers to, you know, to provide the resources out to students, maybe to get into a flipped classroom type model where students were pre-reading before they came in they could access those resources come in and then the discussion in class was rich because very often in in class time as you know if the time is limited you spend your time explaining things to students which is really really that direct instruction is still you know really really important but then particularly when i was doing technical drawing you'd say right now we'll, we'll do a question on that and they'd sit there in front of me doing part a and b which they could do and then i'd send them home to finish and they were doing part c and d at home that they couldn't do Whereas if you can get them to do the work offsite that they're able to do, and then they're with you when they're in the harder, in the trenches, you're down there with them. And that really improves that teacher-student relationship. It really gets that sense of you've been on the same team and trying to move things forward, you know, and, and you're able to meet kids where they are every day at the start of the class. And hopefully by the end of the class, they've moved on a little bit and you take the frustration out of the homework, you know. But there's some of the, the, the things. No, that's brilliant, Brian. And, you know, it's funny, I'm a- and, you know, you're talking about key skills and you know, I'm hearing as well, you know, 21st century skills and all these things. But they really are one and the same. You know, it's about preparing people, as you reference, for jobs that haven't been invented as yet. And get your, your students that are able to think outside the box, are able to use the tools that are around them. You know, they're able to work in teams. There's so many things. And I think when we use the technology, you know, for the right reasons, coming at it from the teaching and learning and assessment, then we see the benefit of it. I think a problem or you know, something I see often is people get tied up with the technology. And that's why I want to come back to you around, I suppose, the pedagogical or the, the teaching and learning basis. There's a couple of things I want to, while I have you, Brian, I want to ask you about. One key thing is what to shift, you know, and has been and continues to be a major shift in how you do things, how teaching and learning and assessment are done in your school. Something like this, I mean, fair enough, it's very important that it's led from the senior management team. But it involves buy-in, significant buy-in from all staff and from parents. I'd, I'd like to know briefly, I suppose, how you got the parents on board. And then I suppose I'd like to drill down in more detail with getting staff on board and maybe possibly the CPD provision, that kind of thing that you provided for them. Again, at the start, Pat, and it's funny because some of this conversation had started actually with parents' council. You know, some parents obviously were, would be aware that these devices were on the go and that some schools were adopting them and this kind of thing. And we really started a conversation about the potential for technology and what it could do. 
And the parents from, from the outset, they were very supportive of the idea and the idea of their children, you know, being prepared for this life beyond school. Now, that support, uh, might as well be straight about it, Pat, that support waned a little bit. Uh, probably in the third year we had it because we had got a batch of devices that simply they, they weren't up to the task at hand. And, you know, there was a replacement of them and so on. And it did cause a little bit of difficulty for us. And, you know, parents did begin to question because what was happening, and it's like we talked about here earlier, what was happening actually was the technology was getting in the way of learning uh, rather than supported for, for a period of time there. But once, you know, we worked with the suppliers and, and all of that and worked with the parents and the parents' council and we got those devices replaced and worked that through. And once we got over that hump, you know, and once it was working, it was very clear that, that it, was, it was worth doing and parents have been very supportive since then, Pat, in it. I suppose that's important to say because anyone may be listening to this thinking, God, will we go down that road? You know, that technology has to be right. Teachers have to find it easy to use and it has to be reliable. If it's not working, it will be left to one side. And why wouldn't it be? Because the most important role there in the classroom is to get that teaching done, to get that learning done. And if it's 10 minutes gone, starting up devices or whatever it is, or I can't connect to Wi-Fi or anything like that, that's time wasted. And we can't afford to waste time in schools. Our children here in the school, our first years have one go at first year, our second years have one go at second year, and so on, right the way up to the school. And it has to be right for them uh, every time. So the technology, if it's in the way, it's going to be a problem. The staff, again, like anything else, there was kind of a core team of, of teachers there at the start who really could see the value of this. Uh, our science department in particular were, were exceptional. The technology department was very good as well. Again, we did get people in from other departments as well into it because, you know, it's very easy to say, ah, sure, look, that lad there, Woodwork and DCG, should they're well able. That lady there in science, sure, science and computers, it's all the same, isn't it, really? But does this apply to history or does, does this apply to English or does this apply to French? And what I have to say here, Pat, in fairness, is that the teachers in those subjects, they were looking at this technology and they were saying, right, there's the potential for this in my subject. So what we weren't doing is saying, here's the tool and here's how to use it. We were saying, here's the tool. How do you think you might use that in your context? And the ideas yeah. that were coming up, the things that, that were coming back, teachers given even oral feedback on work presented by a little voice recording in one note, for example. Little things like that. The pronunciation for French, uh, the teacher could say it, the student could listen to it, they could submit a little piece of recorded work to the teacher rather than having to sit outside the door of the classroom and do the, do the oral little test or whatever. So the imagination that teachers brought to it was, yeah. was, really, was really great. And of course, the CPD part of that then as well, what we did at the start, of course, was we introduced the different tools. So as I said, OneNote was the big thing. And it's still actually one of the main tools that we use um, for sharing uh, information with students. Because again, you're sharing everything in one spot. It's not a Word document here and a PowerPoint presentation and an Excel file, whatever. It's curated by the teacher. It's delivered out as it's needed and so on. But the approach to CPD was a kind of a general base level for everybody. And then what you had no more than in anything else. You know, some people were going off on their own and they were doing bits and pieces. Eventually, what we had was a team of digital leaders, if you like. We were taking people in groups. So I might have been doing a workshop on advanced OneNote. Somebody else might have been doing something on audio recording. Somebody else might have been doing something a little bit around PowerPoint. And what teachers were doing was identifying the level they were at and they yeah. were going in at the level they were at. 
the premise was that if you could move things on a, a little bit at each of those sessions, we weren't focused on everybody being at this level yeah. doing X, Y, and Z and this prescriptive list where everybody must be doing this. But the premise was if everybody is getting better all the time, eventually we'll get to a stage where everybody is, is really, really competent and confident in using the technology. So, so that was our approach and people you know, really, really bought, bought into it and really supported it. And again, they took the things that worked in their subject context and in their class context and they used them where they were going to give a lift in that subject. And we did have a baseline. So, and again, even back to the technology again, every classroom needs a projector. Every classroom needs a good Wi-Fi connection. Every classroom needs a way that we can reliably connect this device to the projector to make sure that when you switch it on, it works. So we had that baseline. And then within the OneNote, you know, the baseline was, that well, every class should have a OneNote and there should be this homework and classwork calendar where we could record the work that was in it. So that was the baseline. And then after that, it developed. And as people would go out and they'd, they'd be trying things to come back and to share it with the staff. And so people were iterating the whole time and we didn't go for this rigid model. Everybody must do this. I think if, if you try and knock the flare out of teachers, like, you know, that intangible thing, Pat, with, with teaching, like, what is it? What's the magic like that happens in the classroom? And it's that flare. It's that kind of you can't put your finger on, you can't touch it or feel it. But I tell you, if it's not there, you know, it's not there. And if it is there, you know, it is. And that yeah. the teachers just have this spark and idea and they say, right, this will work with this group. And they go and try it. And if I'm saying, no, well, you have to do it this way. But that, yeah. if you knock the imagination out of teachers and that spontaneity and that ability to change and, and, and to do something new that's relevant to their group, you know, really you'll stifle creativity and, and you'll stifle good teaching then. Brian, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I find it really refreshing because what I like about it, without a doubt, it's a real success story down there in Dunlavin. But, you know, you're telling us, sorry, words and all. Of course, there was problems. Of course, there was issues. But it's the way you've approached us that, that I suppose, the whole team element. But the other thing, you know, that reminds me of is letting the teachers decide themselves. You know, we would always say that too. You know, and particularly when you mentioned reference earlier, the flipped classroom. Your flipped classroom in technical drawing, or in my days was mechanical drawing, but the flipped classroom there looks completely different to the flipped classroom for a French teacher. Only teachers can discover that themselves by going off and looking at it. What are the key things to, you would say to a school who are starting, let's say today, right, we're going to really go at this and try and roll out one-to-one -one devices and flip learning and all that. Could you give just even a couple of points? Well, first thing, it can't be about a vanity project. It can't be about being the school that has the devices, you know, because the one next door doesn't, right? It has yeah. to be about teaching and learning. It has to be about student outcomes. It has to be about a kind of a values-based approach to why are we doing this? What's the point of it? And whenever, when you're clear on that, then you can move on. I suppose the second thing on it, Pat, is, do you know, it has to work, as I said, every time. But the, the teachers have to have confidence and they have to have that skill. Now, we're probably a long way on from maybe where we were in some scenarios where, because we've done that online teaching and all that kind of thing. You know, yeah. so maybe the level of familiarity and and comfort with, with teachers is there. But again, teaching online is not the same as teaching in person. We all know that, I think. So there's, there's a bit of a look at the pedagogy there, I think, needed about how you use it to actually support teaching in the classroom and to encourage kids to, to engage in, in the classes and the activities that they do, how the technology can support. Third thing I'd say is, if you do go down the one-to-one -one route, you know, I suppose a, a good supplier that will advise you, support you, 
and provide you with, with good devices that will last the test. Probably the fourth thing then, and it's maybe it's linked back to the third one, you have these devices, you're going to be funding them, probably parents funding them directly. And there can be a feeling that geez, we need to be on this 24-7 now to, to squeeze the value out of it. But like there are times here when the tablets are closed and they're, they're away and they're not used at all. And that's fine too, because it's a tool. And if it's the right tool for the job, you use it. And if it's not the right tool for the job, you'd leave it there and you use the right tool for the job. So being a digital school or being a one-to-one school doesn't mean it's all digital all day. And you have to be confident that your teachers can see the value in the technology and they'll use it well when it's needed to be used, but equally that they're able to make that decision to leave it to one side when it's not the most appropriate tool. And I think just to have that comfort and, and that expectation and sometimes managing the expectations maybe of parents and that, you know, that it won't be difficulty free, that there will be a learning curve for everybody, that there'll be times when the Wi-Fi doesn't work, but accept that that's a normal part of life and it's a, it's a bit of a challenge and you'll get over it. And once it's not becoming a significant barrier to what, what you're thinking about doing, but you have to lay the cables and put in the, the Wi-Fi, have the hardware, have the infrastructure there. And then again, that human capital or whatever it is, that, that social capital around it, that people are, are bought into this idea and, and that they're invested and they know why they're doing it. There's yeah, probably a lot I, there now. <laughs> I know that's really what we want. I mean, I think that for someone who's, you know, like yourself, I've been in the trenches a long time with this. It's the whole package here, Brian. It's about having everything. You might have the most wonderful pedagogical plans and digital learning plan or whatever, but if your infrastructure, your broadband or your devices aren't up to scratch, it'll all fall on its face. I mean, that is the bottom line here. And it's about taking that holistic view on it. And I think this is a really useful. Obviously, the digital transformation journey continues in St. Kevin's. The, the final word, where do you see it going in the next five years and beyond? I suppose, Pat, there's a good few things we're looking at, you know. I suppose looking at, at that idea there, of the technology as a tool supporting learning one of the things that i'm very interested in is the idea of you know micro credentials and digital badging and that kind of thing particularly for learners and students who are maybe struggling a little bit in terms of their their engagement with school if we had some methodology there where we could reward progress along the way that would be very useful for increasing that student engagement particularly in, in our context and with the development of the junior cycle, we'd be a school that offers JCSP. That's kind of under review. Will that continue? Will it not? So certainly a role for it there. And then looking up to TY and that idea of maybe certifying these soft skills that are really important, certifying skills, you know, in the areas of well-being at junior cycle as well, that can't really be measured, but that we can give some credit for in a way. And that will follow the student then out of the school as they go for roles in the labour market so whether it's student leadership roles or whatever it is that they have some sort of a badge or some sort of a credential to say this is what they achieved alongside the academic. Brian I really appreciate you taking the time it's refreshing in some ways you're recounting it as you see it as it happens and I think that's extremely useful for anybody tuning in and anyone thinking of going on such transformative journey themselves just a big thank you Brian. Thanks Pat it's an absolute pleasure.